In today's episode, we're talking about rest. And no, it's not a naughty word. It's actually an art form. And it's about way more than sleep. We also dive into the importance of creating harmony in your personal and professional life and making sure you celebrate the journey, not just reaching a goal or destination. This episode is dedicated to Kimberly Cyrus, who's one of our awesome Patreon supporters. If you enjoy the show, please consider becoming a Patreon supporter yourself. You'll help us continue to build a movement of bravery throughout the entire world. We truly need your support to grow and make a bigger impact. You can learn more at patreon.com slash brave files. Rest, harmony, and restoration. This is Heather Vickery, and you're listening to The Brave Files, stories from people living courageously. When we choose bravely in big and small ways, it powerfully elevates our lives. I hope these stories connect with you and encourage you to embrace bravery in every possible way, day after day. Together, we can build a movement of courageous living that enriches both our lives and our communities. And if you enjoy the show, I ask you to please share it with others. Maybe think of someone who you want to choose bravely right alongside you. Thanks for tuning in. Now here's the show. Hi, everybody. Welcome to The Brave Files. This is your host, Heather Vickery. I am so excited to be here with you. Today's guest is Dr. Sandra Dalton-Smith. She is a really neat lady. I'm excited to introduce you to her. She's an author, a speaker, board-certified internal medicine physician. Dr. Dalton-Smith is a national and international media resource on the mind, body, and spirit. She's the author of Set Free to Live Free and an award-winning book called Come Empty. But I'm actually super excited about her newest release, Sacred Rest. Recover your life, renew your energy, restore your sanity. It includes groundbreaking insight on the seven types of rest needed to optimize your productivity, increase your overall happiness, and live your best life. Does it sound familiar? This is the kind of work I do, but she does it with doctors. I cannot wait to hear more about this. Sandra works to teach the next generation of doctors the importance of treating the whole person. Sandra, welcome to The Brave Files. Hi, thanks for having me. I've really been looking forward to this. You and I speak the same language, friend. (laughs) It's I I dig it. And I would love to just start by saying that when I read that you are working with doctors to treat the whole person, I got very excited. I actually have a coaching program that's called the whole employee where I go into corporations and help them learn to honor and work with employees in a 360 manner. And Mm -hmm. I'm excited to learn from you so that I can continue to grow that program. And so it's really fun. Awesome. Can you take us back just a little bit and give us some background? Um, Because this is such a fun show and we tell everyone's personal journey, sort of what led you into medicine in the first place? And then we can move on from there. I honestly did not recall wanting to do anything else. Uh, Since my very first appointment with my pediatrician, that's the only thing I wanted to do. Now, the type of work I'm doing now branches off from that because really I burned out. Um, I love my job and I love the work that I do, but I had gotten so off track really with what a well-balanced life looks like when you're actually enjoying it as well as being effective and productive. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I work with a lot of doctors, accountants, attorneys, right? And uh, because I think there's such a 
longstanding tradition of working yourself to the bone, especially in this country. So you had a total burnout. And then what happened? What shifted for you? Well, I got to that point where I really just didn't, I, I either had one or two choices. I was going to come out of medicine, which wasn't something that I even wanted to do. I loved my work and I still do. I loved the work that I was doing. I just wasn't getting any joy out of it anymore. And so I started looking at how to recover that, how to get back on track. Because in my mind, I was thinking if the choices I made led to the place I'm at, I'm at right now, then I can make other choices that will lead me to the place that I want to be. And I love so that. I started approaching it like that. I started looking at what first, the very first thing with me and my burnout was that I just felt exhausted all the time. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't, I needed more sleep because I, you know, I was at that level of exhaustion where I could lay in the bed for like 12 hours. <laughs> and still be tired. <laughs> yeah. Still be completely, uh, completely worn out. So yeah. I started looking at kind of a bigger picture of, okay, so it's not just physical, there's something else that I'm exhausted, that is exhausted in my life. And I started kind of breaking them up into fields, different areas that I needed to recover, that I needed to, to get the energy back in. Okay. I find that so fascinating. Was that an easy thing for you to recognize? Were you just like right away snapped your fingers like, well, I made this choice and it made me miserable to so let me make different choices? Or was there a process there? No, there was definitely a process when I initially, the very first thing I went kind of back to my, to my medical training, which, you know, somebody's tired, check all the labs, check the thyroid's working, all of this stuff. So I did all of those things. uh, And obviously I was completely healthy. There wasn't anything going on with any of that. I thought about, okay, well, maybe I'm just not, I'm sleep deprived, which honestly was probably part of it because I wasn't really focusing on sleep. But even after I was trying to get more sleep, and like I said, getting lots of sleep, I was still tired. And that's really when I started seeing that there was something more. And I started kind of looking at the pieces. When I got the kind of the, this concept that rest is not just sleep, Mm -hmm. that's when I started making the choices. Because it's like, if it's, if it's not just sleep that I'm needing, and I'm seeing that, you know, I'm having this, this kind of crisis of just even my emotions, learning how to not be a people pleaser and not to say yes to everything and to own my nose. That's when it really started when I was diving deep into some of these types of rest, that I really got the, the, the reality of how my choices was painting the picture that I was looking yeah. at. I love all of that. And I I love that you brought up that as a doctor, as a physician, you immediately go to that because I know for me, from my experience and people that I have heard from, in general, doctors don't tend to take us seriously uh, if we don't have actual symptoms, if there's not really something medically wrong. And I, I get the impression that that's something you're working actively to change. It is because, uh, you know, our training doesn't teach us about how to bring the mind, the body and the spirit all into the healing process. And so that's what most of my work is about. It's about um, the mind, body, spirit all being treated when uh, treating people as a whole person and not just going after the physical or not just going after the mental, mm-hmm. but actually looking at how, how all of these things play into our lives. And letting people be um, able to say they're not okay and not just have it be, okay, well, their labs are normal, so they must be okay. Right. There's a lot more that goes into that. Absolutely. So once you figured this out for yourself, how did you, what 
what was the next step? I mean, you've written three books, you you speak a lot. I think you have a podcast as well. So um, sort of what was that transition like for you? Well, it, when I first really, it started off as just me, I, you know, I was trying to just get my own life back on track. So, you know, that process of working through it and kind of hashing out what does and what doesn't work yeah. <laughs> um, just in my own life. And then really, I guess, the, the defining moment came when I was sitting across the office space with a patient, you know, she was in for her regular visit, uh, a very type A woman <laughs> with a very high power job, you know, one of, I really kind of someone who mirrors myself just in my own personality that was there as one of my patients. And I was going over just my normal things that I do. And at the, right as I was about to walk out of the room, I just, I knew that I was not giving her the best of what I could give her. Right. I was giving her what was expected in the moment as a physician, because that's all she was expecting was for me to listen to her heart, listen to her lungs, take a history and physical, you know, type in my stuff, send mm -hmm. her for labs and be on my way. So that's all she was expecting. And had I done that, she would have still thought I was the best doctor ever. Right. But, <laughs> but I knew that what she needed was what I had just learned. And so I'm sitting there and I'm talking with her and I was getting up to leave. And I, in that moment, I just said, you know, uh, uh, this is completely bizarre. I've never done this with anybody else, but I'm going to write something on this prescription pad that is not something to take to the pharmacy, but it's something I want you to do just for yourself to try to help heal kind of the, the other parts of you that your job is breaking down. And so I don't even remember exactly what I wrote. It wasn't poetic. It was kind of something along the lines of it was with dealing with one of those types of breasts. I think it was something like, I don't have to give a reluctant yes. I can give a truthful no and still be okay with me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was something <laughs> really just like in your face. And she looked at that and just started crying. Oh, wow. I mean, just started crying. And she was like, she was like, this is what I can't do. This is why my life is so overwhelmed. And I was mm -hmm. like, I know this is what I can do either. I was like, but because I've taken some stuff to learn how to do it, it has changed everything. So I'm so much more effective in my job because I'm not coming in here resentful that I have to be here or tired that I have to be here. Yeah. And so when I, that was kind of the first step, just kind of, kind of being vulnerable with where I was at and seeing somebody else who was in the same spot. And being willing to just say, okay, I know this isn't normal, but I know it's also necessary if we're going to get any growth in this area for either of us to yeah. get any growth in this area. And so that's where it started. And it really just progressed from there. I would really love to step into a doctor's office and have them do that. I think that would be magical. So maybe I'll just have to move to where you are so you can be my doctor. <laughs> Uh, talk to me about writing your first book. You've written three. I just published a book in February. I'm working on a second one. That's no joke of a process. Uh, what led you to that? And how did you, if you did at all, make that not an overwhelming, stressful experience? Well, when I wrote my very first book, I didn't have a lot of expectations of, you know, what the book would do. I had no information about how many books sell, you know, all of that stuff right. is very new. I just had this concept that I wanted to be able to give my patients something beyond that 15, 20 minute doctor's appointment. And I know having it in some type of written form 
would help me to be able to accomplish that, mm-hmm. to gotcha. be able to, to, you know, I could quickly say, oh, well, you know, here's a book that goes over. The first book was set free to live free, breaking through the seven lies women tell themselves. And so it dealt with things like comparisons and uh, image and mm-hmm. mind limitations and being transparent. So all of those things that kind of came from that very first encounter that I mentioned. So I, I just basically talked about that and the, the writing process, because I knew I didn't know what I was doing. I gave myself plenty of time for that. You know, I didn't have like, okay, I'm going to have this written in three months and <laughs> kind of thing. You know, I told yeah. them this is going to take me, you know, six, eight months to write. Because Absolutely. I'm practicing. I just didn't get make a lot of unrealistic expectations of myself right. for it. What is your writing habit? One of the things that I'm challenging myself with is to write, even if it's not on my book, but to write 15 minutes a day. And that seems so simple, but sometimes I still don't get to do it or push myself to do it. What's your writing system? Well, it's changed. When I first started writing, I started off with, you know, the keypad and my (laughs) typing it all out and all of that. My past, um, but really the very last book set uh, sacred rest, it was all dictated. Okay. I so, love that you said that. So I, you know, plug in my dragon and I just talk. I talk like I'm talking to a girlfriend and sharing my deepest secrets and truths and knowledge and everything I have and however it comes out and how it comes out. And so then I go back just like, you know, we, we, we call it a, you know, kind of messy first draft, whatever yep. version of that you want yep. to use. And so, <laughs> So I, you know, I verbally regurgitate it out uh, in whatever form it comes out. And then I go back and I look at it and I start kind of tidying it up into to better grammar. But I also make a point of leaving some of the authenticity of that, because I find that a lot of times, particularly when you're writing nonfiction, it can, especially when you're using a lot of like medical jargon or study, mm-hmm. it can come off very dry. Yep. And so it's helpful when you're speaking it. Because your speaking language is so much more flavorful and mm-hmm. conversational. And so it comes off in the writing. I so that. I love when someone sits down and they, you know, they type me back about reading um, Sacred Rest and they go, you know, it's like I'm sitting down having coffee with you. And I'm like, that's exactly what I was thinking when I'm talking. <laughs> I'm envisioning sitting with, and usually I honestly am at my desk with my cup of coffee. <laughs> so I'm sitting down with it and I'm just chatting to an open dragon software. (laughs) I absolutely love that. I think it's great. I cannot wait to get a copy of the book and read it and feel like I'm having coffee with you. (laughs) Right now I'm doing a 30-day health cleanse. I don't know. The doctor may be like, that's a terrible idea. But um, (laughs) I'm trying to not have coffee for 30 days just to sort of restart my system. But boy, do I miss it. Tell me that, it's okay to have coffee, please. That would be some type of torture. Well, I, <laughs> I even say in the book, I hope heaven smells like uh, the inside of a Starbucks and looks like the inside of a bookstore. So, yes. <laughs> that's my heaven. So, Oh, I love it. We, we have shared visions. I think that's fantastic. <laughs> um, so the new book, you share seven types of rest we need to optimize for productivity, overall happiness, and basically living your best life. Are you willing to share um, either the seven tips or maybe what your favorite of the seven tips are? Yeah, I'm happy to share them. 
just to kind of quickly rattle off the seven, they are the three everybody's familiar with are the physical, the mental, and the spiritual. Mm-hmm. And then the other four that people tend to either don't know about or aren't really focusing on are the emotional, social, sensory, and creative. And so my, a lot of my work is, is really pulling together the research and, how, and then making it um, practical so people can, can kind yeah. of identify which of the seven types they may be having the biggest rest deficit in because, you know, that's kind of a, our culture. Everybody's kind of chronically tired and chronically exhausted. And it's not all about sleep. It's not all just the physical. Yeah. I recently did a, a TEDx talk where I, I talk about this, about the fact that, you know, so often we say we're tired. You know, we think if we just go get a, kind of an extra two to three hours of sleep, it's going to fix it. And then when it doesn't, you start feeling kind of helpless. Yeah, it's like, frustrating. What do I do now? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I tried to sleep or I took a sleeping pill and it didn't work. Well, usually the problem is it wasn't physical rest you were needing. It was one of these other types of rest, one of the other six. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I love that. I cannot wait to pick it up. We'll link to the TEDx video in the show notes so everybody can watch that as well, because it sounds like it's full of knowledge. I'm curious, um, Sandra, what has been the most difficult thing as you've sort of transitioned into this new phase of your life? What's been the biggest struggle? The biggest struggle is to get what most people call balance. I call it harmony. (laughs) I do too. (laughs) (laughs) Because I don't believe you can balance work and life. I mean, when you look at balance, they're like on two different sides of the scale. Uh So I don't want my life on one side and my work on another side. I want them to be in harmony where they are flowing together and creating something beautiful in union with each other. And so what for me you know, I still enjoy the practice of medicine, actually having patients who they call me their doctor and I go into an office and, you know, all of that, that I was trained to do. But I also love going on a stage of, you know, a few thousand people and being able to, to share this information with a larger group, very kind of finite laser focused kind of sharing of of some of the topics, or even just about seven types of rest in general so that they can then start getting that mindset shift to help them to start seeking more information. Because I can't mm-hmm. be the, everybody's doctor. Right. But I can share the information with more people than I see in just my general practice. Yeah. And I just have to kind of make sure that I keep balance with that, you know, because it's real easy to, you know, somebody wants to pay you to come speak somewhere. It's really easy to say, yeah, I'd love to come speak. And then you <laughs> get out of balance, so to speak, with your, with your priorities. You know, yeah. with yeah. how how you're wanting to be able to be available with your family, but now you're you know chesping all over the world <laughs> and not actually being able to stay focused on your priorities. Yeah, I hear you on that. I as a, also a, a professional public speaker, I'm sure all the time. Maybe not because of of your background, but I get asked to speak without payment all the time and. When I was first breaking into speaking, you know, you wanted the experience and I would say yes. And now I just politely say, this is, this is my job. This is how I feed my children and I'm not going to be able to make it a priority unless, you know, there's payment involved and most people respect it, but you can't, you can't be mad at them for trying there. It's expensive to put on a conference, but that's one of the ways I balance it is making sure that I'm making income off of the time that I'm spending away from my family. Absolutely. I work with a lot of speakers as well, because what I found is that the more I do this, I have people 
who will send me these messages, other doctors or um, experts or coaches that'll say, how did you get on that TV show? Or how did you get in that magazine? <laughs> yeah. How did you get these opportunities and all this stuff? And, you know, uh, what I'm finding is a lot of times people, there are a lot of experts with a lot of great information. They just don't know how to package it in such a way that they are able to monetize it. Yep. And so if you're not monetizing your message, then yes, you're doing a lot of good in the world, but you're likely working more than you need to, mm -hmm. because now you have to have a, a, another job to finance your good work. And your good <laughs> yes. work should actually be making money. So you don't have to have like 20 side jobs to do your passion job. They shouldn't be like, you know, these completely exclusive things that you're doing. So absolutely, that that's a great principle to not, you know. You can't speak everywhere and where you speak, you need to make sure that it's, it aligns with your needs and the needs of, of who you're serving. Yeah, absolutely. Does this work feel brave to you? Do you feel like the time and the energy and what you're putting out there is really brave? It feels brave because I'm going against a system that is, that is, that is very well established. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the current mindset and you see it now, you know, even in, 20 year olds that are just coming out of college that they have to, that rest is like this naughty word. And if you, oh, yeah. if you rest and take care of yourself in that way, that you're lazy or you're, you know, you're not really a go-getter, you're, you know, you're not at the top of your game because you're, you're taking this time off. And so it's, it's brave because I'm having to go into some situations where you know, most of my work is done in corporations. I'm sitting down with CEOs and CFOs and, you know, it, it is sometimes in hospitals and sometimes it's just in bu the business world. Mm -hmm. And I'm sitting down with these people and I'm having to explain to them how to get more out of their employees by, by allowing them to have some downtime. Yes. <laughs> and, yeah. so, and, uh, and actually discussing things like you can't expect your staff to be innovative and creative staring at these beige walls all day long. That mm -hmm. is not, they need creative rest in their workplace. If you're wanting them to be able to, to get ahead of your competitor, then you're going to need to do some things that are not conventional. And so as a physician going in there, you know, it's, it's interesting because I'm talking about things that are not solely about the body. It's a, it's a wholeness approach. Absolutely. To, to people and people management and, you know, um, what I call human uh, resources, actually getting the natural resources <laughs> I love that. out of your humans. And so, <laughs> so it's, it, it's brave because you're, you're having to teach people something that they haven't often even thought about. Yeah. The concept hasn't even crossed their mind. So you're having to start on a blank slate and try to paint a full picture because they're going to have to lay down some dollars and some investment yeah. to get out what they really want. Absolutely. That's absolutely the same thing I experienced. And I agree with you. I think it's very, very brave. What are your personal daily grounding rituals? How do you keep yourself settled? Uh, probably there's, there's really one key one that I do on a regular basis. And it's, it's honestly sometimes done throughout the day, just depending on how my day starts off or what I'm doing that day. But it's really just, it's a, it starts off with prayer. Um, just with starting to kind of look at the, something bigger than just myself, kind of getting into that spiritual aspect of it to kind of go outside of my mind and my body to the spiritual part. And what I do is I look at, I look at, let's say the day, which is how I typically do it, is 
what from the highest point I can get in that day. In other words, I'm looking down on the day from some place higher. Oh, I love that. And, and I want to see in that day, there's going to be a whole lot of minutia, a whole lot of stuff going on that I'm going to breeze right by because I've seen it a hundred times. So what I say is, Show me within this day what I would otherwise miss, but that is going to change everything in that moment. And so when I, so as I'm going throughout my day, because most days, you know, I'm still in practice. So most days look just like every other day, Mm -hmm. but each day has moments that if I can look at it from a higher perspective, then there is something that otherwise I would say that's so, you know, that's so irrelevant. It's not going to make any big difference. But if I look at it with an importance, then I open up an opportunity for for something to happen there. And so uh, just a quick example, going out to lunch, let's say with my nurse and and between uh, the day, this is one day that we're just going to kind of head out to lunch real quick because we have uh, some time for that. And we're, we're going through whatever we're doing at lunch and the bill comes and all of a sudden in that moment, that's just a regular moment. But in that moment, I can write down something on that. I can leave an extravagant tip. I can, I can input uh, within that something. Well, I carry sometimes these little cards that have, they're just kind of uh, highly vibrant color. Like uh, it looks like a business card, but it, but it just has like a really cool saying. I, I call it my, um, my um, fortune cookie without the cookie. I it's love it. Really, Is this a product that, that you've created? It's something I print offline. I just, okay. you know, it's, it's one of those, you can go on and kind of do your own little, uh, we the kids do it a lot of times with when they're making their own like birthday cards and stuff, Yeah. but you can do it with business cards and you just kind of type whatever you want and it gives you a little background. It just kind of prints it off and you just cut it out. That's what I'm saying. It's not something that's super fancy. I just keep it in my purse. And then when I feel led to pull it out, I pull it out and you leave an extravagant tip. And then what happens with that is we pay it and we leave. We don't even see the response to it. And so what I'm doing is I'm trusting the spiritual realm of that to accomplish whatever's supposed to be accomplished from that good deed. I'm not trying to do it for my own recognition. I'm not trying to do it for myself. I usually do. I usually do it when I'm leaving a, I'm paying in cash for whatever it is. So that way my name is not even attached to it because I don't want to see it on Twitter, you know, that, oh, you know. (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> Dr. Dalton Smith left me. You know, I don't want to see that on Twitter. Uh, you know, people or Instagram, people do that. Yeah. If, if they see your name, they'll like show who gave them the tip. I don't uh-huh. want any recognition for it. I just want to know that I that I entered that moment at a higher level and did what and did something that otherwise would have been a normal everyday yeah. moment. I allowed it to be something special. I think that's great. Goodness for the sake of goodness, kindness for the sake of kindness. Um, I think that's really powerful. Sometimes, sometimes it's sending a card to a, a, a widow who I find in my practice who says, oh, mother, I'll say, how was Mother's Day? And they say, it, it was horrible. I don't have any family. I don't have any kids. I just spent the day alone. And so I write down, yeah. send Miss XYZ a card every year from as long as I'm alive, you know? <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, and it, you send it anonymously. Yeah. Just thinking about you on Mother's Day, know that you are loved and, and celebrated. Oh, that's so beautiful. So it's so that powerful. That. Yeah, it's that powerful intention that you put behind it. And then f- the follow through. Uh, I had the absolute honor of being at a conference where Oprah was the keynote speaker back in March. And she talked about her commitment to making intentional decisions. And I, I think this ties in so nicely with that. And I, I carry that with me, do all things with great intention. And I love 
your added component of then trust the universe, this spiritual world to do what it's going to do with it. Um, but it feels good, right? It, it sits inside you and you know that you've put some sort of beautiful energy out there and on some level it will have an effect. Yeah. And that's the thing. I think, um, I think for me, that's the part that grounds me because it's not about me. Yeah. I, I can't control what happens next. I can't control what they feel. All I can control is me making the step of faith to do it. Yeah. And so that is the grounding part because it, it keeps me kind of rooted in the fact that it's all intertwined together, but I don't even know how that works. So I just have to trust that it does. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Do you have a gratitude practice? I don't. I, I practice gratitude all the time, but I don't have like a specific practice that I don't do. I'm not a journaler. I don't like, <laughs> <laughs> like writing stuff down. I hear that. I got that. <laughs> I'm dictating my books. But <laughs> so I'm not in- so I do mind, I do mind dumping because I have a, a lot of stuff that's all in my head all mm-hmm, the time. Mm-hmm. So if there's something that's kind of ruminating over my head and I can't sleep, that's one of the ways that I get mental rest is I mind dump. I'll keep like, and it's not fancy. It's like a post-it note, you know, yeah. pad at the bed and I'll jot down whatever that is. But as far as gratitude, I honestly, I try to make that kind of part of just my day to day. Yeah, Um, I think that's a practice. So how does it? Absolutely. You know, I have, as you may or may not know, I have a a book out uh, called Gratitude Journal Shift Your Focus. So it's a book combined with a journal Mm -hmm. and journaling doesn't work for everyone. And I actually talk about that in the ebook Mm -hmm. version of all of the different ways that you can invite gratitude in your life and how it shifts everything. So Uh share with us just for a moment, sort of the different ways that you weave gratitude throughout your life. Yeah. One of the, one of the key ways that I do is whenever, because sometimes I get this um, kind of like, Oh, is this really helping anything? Or you know, yeah. is, is this really doing anything? Am I really helping anybody kind of uh, mindset? So um, one of the things I like to do is I like to make a, a point. I'm very goal oriented. So I like to make a point of kind of listing out my goals. And for me, when I reach a goal, I have a tendency to like, okay, check, move on, you know, check, move on. <laughs> I don't sit there long enough to appreciate it or celebrate it or even acknowledge it sometimes. Uh... And so for part of my gratitude is actually taking those, taking some of my goals that have happened, let's say within that month, I do this usually about every one or two months, because I'll get to that, like, is this helping anybody? <laughs> usually every one or two months. So I'll sit down with that. And I will, I will take a look, not at having com- accomplished the goal, but what led up to it being accomplished? What did I learn along the way? What, what uh, improved or changed inside of me because of getting to that point with that goal? And then at that point, I, I celebrate or have gratitude for where I arrived in the goal, not the goal, but where I arrived either emotionally, spiritually, um, socially, financially, I, I celebrate the place that the goal represented, because I always are looking at the actual work of the goal. And I don't look at where did the goal bring me? Where, where did it set me in that journey? Because every time a goal sets you somewhere, you're then equipped for whatever the next goal yeah. is. Yeah. And so I have yeah. to have gratitude for for what the goal accomplished in me. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I love it. It's very powerful. Now you said you're not good at celebrating, and that's a question I ask in every single episode. I believe in the power of celebration. And I think what that boils down to is stopping 
and saying this thing was good, this thing went well, I feel good, I'm happy, instead of just plowing through to the next thing to the next thing, which leads to that burnout you were talking about. So um, I heard you say you don't stop to celebrate, but I, I also heard you say lots of little ways that I think you do celebrate. Mm-hmm. So I'll just straight up ask, how do you celebrate success? Well, that, I think that's part of it, is really taking that step back is part of the celebration for me to be able to, to look back at the goal and, and, and really acknowledge what I need to celebrate. I think part of me not celebrating is I, I, I'm so focused on getting the work done in the goal that I'm not as actually looking at what can be celebrated. Yeah. So, so that I think is part of the celebration for me is just actually um, taking ownership and being intentional about going back and um, looking at where I need to celebrate. Yeah, I love that. If you were to to say that this fell into one of your seven categories, so the idea of, because to me, there's there's rest in that. The stop, mm-hmm. the slow down, the acknowledge what happened, to give yourself some internal joy with it. Which one of your um, seven types of rest would that fall into? I, I put it in the category of creative rest. Because creative rest is the rest that comes when we appreciate beauty. And whether that beauty is natural, whether it's tangible, whether it's um, man-made like art or music, whether it's nature or the beach, it's beauty in all its forms. And so when we, the things that we celebrate are the beautiful parts of our lives, the things that we have grown from, that we have learned from. And so that to me is all kind of encapsulated in the creative rest part of it. I love that. That's just beautiful. Thank you so much. So we're coming to the close of the interview, although I would love if you ever find yourself in Chicago and you want to meet me for a cup of coffee, which we both mutually love, um, I would really enjoy getting to continue this conversation. Uh, But this is where I get to ask one of my favorite questions. I feel so passionate about being involved um, in work beyond our own and being part of our community or our world at large. So what is your favorite charitable organization to support? My favorite organization is called Project 58. It's a, um, it's a group that's on a mission to eradicate poverty in all of its form throughout the world. So, you know, when we think about poverty, we usually think about the physical, but they really dive down into really what is poverty. Um, and they talk about like mental poverty and spiritual poverty and physical poverty. So they do things like bringing water into community and, and bringing hope into community and talking about the mental health aspects of things, not just the, the financial support that people need, but things like helping them to, to kind of become more financially stable by giving them dignity, by helping them learn businesses that they can do in their area. So I just love that whole concept. Uh, yeah. We're not just going to give you a handout. We're going to give you a hope out. We're going to give you. Oh, I love that. <laughs> kind of rebuild that whole poverty mindset and to get back on top in your life. That's beautiful. Well, I cannot wait to check them out. Friends and listeners, as always, we will have links on the show notes. Uh, They will be our charity of the week. So I ask you always go and learn about them. If there's a way you can support with finances or just by sharing the organization with somebody else or following them, spreading their message, please do so because this is what makes the world a more beautiful, uh, stronger place is when we come together and do things like this. Sandra, will you share your three words with us one last time? Rest, harmony, and restoration. 
So I think we've covered all of them. They're beautiful words. Um, you embody them so well, and so does your work. So thank you so much for being here and spending this time with us. And um, I, I can't speak for the listeners, but I'm sure I'm going to get lots of great feedback. But it just feels so exciting to know that within the medical community, there's a movement to partner all of these things together and to heal us as whole humans versus just the things that you can see on a lab test. So thank you so much for all of the work that you do. Well, thank you. And I just want to make sure that your listeners are aware that um, oftentimes when people hear about the seven types of rest, they usually feel kind of overwhelmed. Like there's seven more things I have to do. <laughs> so what I, I have a free um, resource that I have for my, that I use with my patients is at restquiz.com. And it's a free quiz to let you know which of the seven types of rest you are most efficient in oh, wow. so that you can focus your attention on the specific types of rest that you actually need. That's fantastic. I'm going to go take it as soon as we finish this interview. Uh, so everybody go check that out. Find out where you're deficient in rest and take good care of your whole self. When we're healing our hearts and our minds and our souls, it just creates this beautiful domino effect of the people around us. I always say that we, we say we can only control ourselves, but I am here to tell you that when we change ourselves, we change the people around us, which is pretty exciting. Thank you all for being here. I hope that today and every day you will take an opportunity to choose bravely. So until next week, this is Heather Vickery. Bye. You've been listening to The Brave Files, stories from people living courageously. To learn more about the show, find our show notes, or get some great bonus content, visit thebravefilespodcast.com. And we'd love to know what you think. You can give us a call at 312-646-0205. Let us know your thoughts on the episode, the show in general, or maybe share with us how you're out choosing bravely. This episode is brought to you by Vickery & Co. Success Coaching, coaching that helps you maintain a life well-lived and a business well-run. Learn more at vickeryandco.com. Our music is produced by Matt Lewis. Follow him on Instagram at mattmmusic or visit his website, theunionband.com. We couldn't do any of this without our extraordinary audio engineer, Andrew Olson. Learn more about him and check out his work at findandrewolson.com. And special thanks to our associate producer, Kim Statler. I'm your host and executive producer, Heather Vickery. Thanks for tuning in and we'll talk to you next week. The Brave Files is proudly supported by Audible. If you enjoy listening to podcasts, you're sure to love listening to your favorite books on Audible. Get your free 30-day trial complete with a credit for a free audiobook download today simply by visiting audibletrial.com slash thebravefiles. Again, that's visiting audibletrial.com slash thebravefiles.